Rosie and Bill Show wish to thank our partners in Positivity Primary Sponsors. The Roselli Agency, based in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, Brian and his team of insurance professionals have been serving the needs of Chester County for more than two decades. The Mallon Agency, located in Springfield, PA, where they take pride in tailoring the right insurance policy for the right client and exceeding expectations every time. So give me a hell yeah and an amen for the good times and good friends. We raise them up, then we drink them down. We all get lost, we all get found. When the whiskey buzz starts to move you, Friday feeling cuts right through you. That's a good Lord talking to you. That's a neon hallelujah. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show. Our guest this week has been featured on CMT, GAC, and Country Music Weekly. With over 200 shows a year, he's a hardworking artist and his efforts are really paying off. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show, a proud native of Taylorsville, Kentucky, J.D. Shelburne. Welcome to the show, J.D. Thank you so much for having me on. It's good to be here. It's nice to have you. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this, J.D., for a while. And, and I'll tell you, one of the really cool parts about what we do is having the opportunity for our guests to kind of tell their story. And, and one of the things we really like hearing about is how they got their start in their given career, whatever that may be. And in your case, it seems like your career in music traces back to a special guitar that you found in your grandmother's closet when you were 19 years old. Can you share that story with us? Yeah, so, uh, you know, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky. Um, I grew up in a little tiny town um, about 30 miles east of Louisville uh, called Taylorsville. And uh, small town, everybody knew everybody. Um, I grew up my entire life, childhood, up to high school playing sports. That's what my life consumed of, uh, traveling baseball teams, basketball teams. Um, you know, Sunday mornings we were in church. Saturday nights we were out hanging out with friends. And music was never even a thought. Um, you you got to think back. This is um, – this is 25 years ago. So I uh, graduated high school in 2001. Uh, my dad was a principal at the high school I attended. Mom uh, stayed home with us um, uh, most our whole career. But um, it was always kind of etched in my blood, like you're going to go to college when high school's over and figure out what you want to do. There's no there's no setting home. There's no getting a job just out of high school. You're going to go to college and get degrees. And I was like, perfect. So off to college I went uh, in 2001. And music at that time was never even thought of. Um, I did sing uh, at school a little bit at, in the lunchroom on the way to bus rides, to ball games, because this is before cell phones. So uh, to, to pass time on the school bus to ball games, we would sing to CDs and things. And so I could halfway sing a little bit, but nothing serious. Um, so moved to college in 2001, uh, attended uh, the University of Kentucky um, right out of high school. Um the first semester I was in college, my grandmother back home passed away. Uh, she was never sick, uh, just just didn't wake up one night and uh, went back home for her funeral. And that's kind of where music and my story begins. I ended up finding a guitar in her house after her death, took it back to college. And uh, in the course of about the next six months of finding the acoustic, I would sit in my dorm room. I'd sit in my apartment, wherever I lived at the time on campus and just pick that guitar. And one thing led to another. Um, singing kind of went with the guitar playing. Guitar playing went with the singing and um, something just got into my bones. It was just like, man, uh, you're pretty decent. And uh, 
people would start coming to our houses and little things after little things kind of nudged me along the way to say, Hey, this is kind of a cool hobby. And, um, after I kind of got my feet wet, started playing a couple shows around the house and around our street and a couple of friends that owned bars, I, I was like, man, this is, this is something I kind of really enjoy. And so that's where my journey starts. Do you think that your grandmother had a hand in that? I, I do. I, you know, I really do. Um, one of the crazy stories about this whole thing was when I found the acoustic in her house was actually in her closet beside her bed. And as kids growing up, we, we never were allowed to get in her closet. You know, we really never were allowed to be in her bedroom. A lot of antiques, you know, cherry bedroom suit, a lot of breakable things. My brother and I, you know, we were like bulls in a china closet. <laughs> and uh, so we knew her bedroom was off limits. So we never checked her closet. Well, this particular day uh, after her death, we were just kind of going through everything. We her, She had just had her funeral. Uh, we were in town for the weekend. Very, um, upset you know just uh, the family just kind of coped together we just went to her house it's just something to try to figure out what was next uh, this was suddenly was shocked we had never planned on this um you know she just uh, uh went to sleep that night and never woke up the next morning and so ended up finding uh an acoustic guitar in an old case in her closet and the cool thing about the whole story was when i opened up the case i found a garth brooks core book and the first pick uh the first uh, page that i opened was unanswered prayers and i was like it's, and I didn't, that didn't hit me until about a decade down the road when I ended up coming across that chord book again at my old house years ago. And that is still bookmarked. And so my uncle, I found out later, years later, that my uncle uh, had, had, uh, had got it for Christmas one year. He never took any interest in it. And so it just sat and collected dust for, uh, you know, 10, 15 years. And I just happened to discover it after her death and uh, a light bulb kind of went off. And so uh, kind of wild how stars align sometimes. I got chills when you said that about unanswered prayers and it yes. was meant for someone to have that guitar and that person was you. It's, it's wild. I still have that guitar in the same room. I'm talking to you and I've, I've, the guitar is, it, it, you know, came to college with me. It uh, has, you know, put me in my first apartment in Nashville and it's been, uh, been a lot of stages and, you know, it's still to this day. Uh, I still take pride in looking at it every night uh, and what the career it's built for me and the life it's changed for my wife and I and, my, and our son. So, uh, I'm so thankful. Um, I know about probably about a year into a year into learning how to play guitar, I wanted to sell it to get a bigger acoustic because it's a small it's a small junior size Epiphone, so it doesn't plug in. And I almost sold it, and I'm so thankful I didn't because I'm not sure how much money I'd spend to buy it back. But um, mm -hmm. luckily, my parents bought me a full size guitar for Christmas that year back in that's been 2002. So um, very thankful I still have it. Wow. Well, you mentioned sports. Yes. So I see jerseys behind you, and especially <laughs> one that's jumping out, besides the one with your name on it, is we see some Laker colors there. Now, we're Sixers fans, so there's oh, a no. conflict there. <laughs> yeah. Tell us what's going on back there. Who, wh whose jersey well, is that? So that's actually uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Um, I was a big uh, NBA basketball fan. I'm a big college basketball fan first. Kentucky basketball, I live and bleed blue. But, uh, you know, back in the 90s and 2000s, especially late 90s, Michael Jordan was the king. You know, uh, in, in your situation, Allen Iverson, you know, I mean, what an athlete. And so that's back when NBA was really like, I feel like, popular amongst my age group. And so uh, we idolized Michael Jordan and uh, Patrick Ewing. Uh, I mean, you name it, John Stockton and then Shaquille. And when Shaquille came uh, in the NBA, um, that was about 95, 96, maybe a little earlier than that. That's when NBA jerseys were a big thing. I had the Orlando Magic 32. Well, just so happened um, I was in an event. Fast forward 20-some, 30 years later, I, I, I had just headlined a NASCAR race. 
and had became um, friends with the CEO of the track that I played. And he called me one day and was like, hey, man, I'm a big fan. You did a great job at the at the race this year at the Quaker State 400. Uh, I'm going to be in Franklin, your neck of the woods, actually, uh, in about a, uh, about a month. And I'd like to invite you and your wife as my guest to the NASCAR um, like gala. It was like a gala with uh, – I can't think of the guy's name, but um, Daryl Waltrip's gala. Mm-hmm. And uh, when is this guest? And, you know, you go to an event like this, there's all sorts of asylum auction bids and I- cool items and stuff. And NASCAR even brings even cooler stuff. They had Muhammad Ali's boxing gloves, Michael Jordan in a jersey. They had all sorts of stuff. And I saw the Shaquille O'Neal jersey, and I think they wanted like 350 for it or something. It was a- I was a highest bidder. I'm like, man, I'm going to live here with the autographed Shaq jersey. And so uh, I did. So it was cool. The Michael Jordan was like 6000 I was like, I-, I don't have six grand to throw on a jersey. So. <laughs> That's a good story. I guess we can let you slide for that, JJ. <laughs> I will take an Iverson jersey. Give me an Allen Iverson jersey. It's on. Come on. <laughs> well, and and I'll tell you, it's. I'm thinking. So Jordan, you said was about six thousand. That, that's not bad for the fourth or fifth best player of all time. Um, you know, behind <laughs> right. Will Chamberlain and Kobe. And all right, I, I guess I'll stop now before I get right. in more trouble. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was cool, man. I I collect a lot of stuff like this, and a lot of the other jerseys have really great stories. And you know, real quick, the white jersey is a a Chicago White Sox um jersey. I played for the Chicago White Sox on their home field on their country music night um in front of the entire uh, stadium, and so they presented me with a jersey with my name on the back of it. So um, I had had that framed. It was it was a, one of a highlight of my career back uh, 2017. That is so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Who won the game? Uh, Chicago White Sox beat the Cleveland Indians. All right. Yep. Maybe I'm good luck. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you're definitely a good luck charm. <laughs> now, J.D., one thing that, that I wanted to ask you about, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier when you were sharing the story about your grandmother's guitar, and that is the fact that anyone who's seen you perform or listened to you perform, it's pretty clear that you're really proud of, of where you came from. And I'm curious, what was it about growing up in Taylorsville that was as great as it was? And how did it help shape you into the person and the artist that you are today? You know, I think uh, just being in a small town, you know, everybody that just the vibe of it, uh, your family, your friends are all there. They grew up there. You know, um, it's just like you don't have to go very far to have a good time and all that. um, Just, you know, you got to think back. So when I went to kindergarten, as a kid, uh, you know, I went from kindergarten all the way through grade school, through high school and college with the same people. And I think just having those friendships and uh, just that background uh, of, of the small town vibe, it was definitely a culture shock moving to Nashville uh, where I didn't know anybody. Uh, it was very lonely nights at first. And so, um, you know, just, just being close to home, I mean, um, with your, your aunts and uncles, your parents, it's, it's just, it's just like one big click in a small town. And, and, uh, even when I go back today to the grocery store, to the gas station, I know somebody. And it's, it's just, I miss that a lot about Nashville. You, you know, Nashville's a growing city. Um, and, you know, I, I did get a kind of a shock when I moved to Lexington because it was, it was a, it was a, you know, a, not a big city as well, but not as big as Nashville. And so just, uh, just having the small town vibe of, of uh, you know, everywhere you go, you, you know, somebody and, um, I, that's something I miss the most, but that, that's really molded me on, you know, it helped me. I think it's, it's made me humble. It's just, it, it's made me a hard worker. You know, I grew up on a tobacco farm. 
you know, where, you know, if we wanted to make money, we had to sweat and work hard for it. And that ties over to the music business now. And, um, you know, what I use to, you know, to, to, to keep my business rolling. Well, you're right. It does take a lot of hard work to, if, if it's worth it, you know, for anything that's really valuable, you got to work for it. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, nothing, doing. Yeah. Nothing, nothing's ever been handed to me. You know, um, in the music business, you meet people where either their dad was a star or their dad played for uh, an artist or um, their their mother worked at a record label. And so, you know, a lot, some of my friends in the business have, have gotten farther quicker because of that. Now, I grew up on a tobacco farm. My dad was in the school business. Mom uh, was a homemaker. And so music business was, was as far from my hometown as you could even imagine. And I knew one person in Nashville when I moved to town and I could never get that person to ever return my emails. And so uh, it's like I was forced to do it on my own. And so um, I think just just being from a small town, yeah, you know, making an honest living and just realizing that, you know, it's up to you on how far you want to get in life. It's, it's on how hard you want to work. And, you know, sometimes being told no makes people tuck their wings in and go back home. And sometimes that's just, you know, that's just a way to motivate you to keep going. And I think uh, with me, if I was ever told no once, I just – found a way to go around it and ask them again and try to get a yes. And so I think that's why I've been able to be successful in the business is because I've worked and earned every penny of it and have shaken so many hands, kissed so many babies and, and, um, and put out good music. I think. Are um, you sure you and it. Bill aren't cousins? Because I think. You <laughs> <might be. laughs> well, it could be. Hey, it's not where you start. It's where you finish. And some of Amen. us have to work longer and harder than others. So I, have, I have nothing but respect for that JD. And I had a feeling you know, again, that's why I asked that question, because I couldn't help but think that, you know, where you grew up and how you grew up really helped form that work ethic that you have. And, you know, you've been recognized for being one of the hardest working artists in the business. So, you know, they can't take that away from you. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm most proud of that as well. You know, just knowing that um, that I get that respect out of my peers, out of, out of number one hit songwriters, even the governor of Kentucky. I mean, people that, that have been uh, a really a, a godsend for my career and make it to the next level and to keep this thing rolling is, and when you get that kind of respect from people, man, you're obviously doing something right. So definitely, I'm definitely grateful. And the great music that you put out certainly helps as well. Thought I'd throw no, that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> JD, you've shared that one of the highlights of your career was in 2021 when you opened for ZZ Top. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah, it was uh, maybe uh, the biggest career, um, moment of my of my music career um, I've had a lot of those you know been able to um, you know reach a lot of goals and, and have, a, have a lot of great things happen to me but when I got the phone call to open for ZZ Top I mean um, it, it was a, it was an amazing moment you know if you'd have told me that uh, back on my college back porch when only two or three people listened to me and I could barely play 25 songs because my fingers hurt like I would have been like you're nuts there's no way i'll get to open for you know a band that's open that's that's become legendary and iconic and the crazy thing about the whole story um i opened up i did a show at a festival uh called hometown rising tim mcgraw was a headliner that that the year before and then uh, we brought about 15 20 000 fans of this concert and it was huge fan base i mean we we were the only like one of the only local group or local groups on this festival and by the time i set uh, started. I mean, the place was nuts with fans. And so the uh, show promoter uh, recognized that. And that's kind of how I got the ZZ Top show about a, six months down the road, because he saw the fans I pulled. He saw the he saw everything kind of the wheels start turning on this career thing of mine. And so when I got the opportunity to do ZZ Top, 
Uh, of course, I accepted the offer. And the crazy thing about the whole story was uh, Dusty passed away. We opened up for him on a Sunday night, July the 19th. He passed away on that Wednesday. So technically, uh, we were the last band to open for him as ZZ Tops. And so uh, that kind of just made the story a little sweeter. I, I hadn't thought about that time frame, but yeah, that's wow. That's powerful. It was very powerful, man. And, and to know, and I knew that night when we opened up for him, it was a sold out crowd. I knew that night he wasn't feeling well because when they brought him out, I had YouTube them so much. And when I found out I was getting this gig, I knew about all about them, but I knew they had this special little way they performed. They always are in sync together. The guitars yeah. are always back and forth. You know, they had that a vibe about them. And so I started YouTubing their clips leading up to that show and watching it. And I was like, man, I can't wait to see this live. Well, when they brought in the band or when, when ZZ Top came into the stage, we had just loaded off and they were coming on. Uh, they brought Dusty out like, I want to say he was he wasn't in a wheelchair, but he was on something. And he just sat there all night long and didn't even move off the road case. He didn't even stand up during the show. And I thought, man, it was really bizarre to not see him in his A game. And so, excuse me, and then I knew that, that something was wrong and he wasn't feeling well. And so we kind of got word backstage he wasn't feeling that well. So there's gonna be no beat greed. Cause I wanted a photo with them both of them, but it never happened. And then Lo and behold, you know, uh, the next day he went into, uh, I think the news story came out, that he went to the hospital and then he died on Wednesday. So it was, uh, it was a chilling moment for me to know that we were the last band to play with him. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that always amazed me with them was you would never know when you listened to their records or heard them on the radio that it was just a three piece band. I know. One it was guitar, one bass and a drummer. Absolutely amazing. Unbelievable. And the sound, it was so full. And yeah. it's just like, I guess Billy Gibbons is that good of a guitar player. Where he can make it sound like four acoustic or four electric yeah. or something, because I'm telling you, man, I mean, it's, it, it's hard to sound full three piece, you yeah. know, and sometimes I have to bring five on the road or, or four piece. It just depends. Uh, and most of the time I can do four, it's even better, but yeah, I can't imagine splitting money three ways, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah there's one, one thing I noticed with guys like Billy and Stevie Ray Vaughan, they're playing lead and rhythm at the same time. I know it's wild. It's, 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 it's wild. Yeah, that's a talent. It sure is. And and speaking of, of great music, I heard that there might be a uh, an album listening party coming up in late February. Yes. Now, I'm not the brightest bulb in the fixture, but that usually means that there might be an album in the works somewhere <laughs> after that. So what's got, coming up? Yeah, you got that right, man. I'm real pumped. We uh, I have a new record coming out in 2023. My last album came out in 2021. I try to put something out every two years. And so my last album was a top 10 record for us. We went to number nine on the iTunes chart. And I was very, very uh, happy about that. And so uh, that album, the last album has kept us on the road for two years. And so I'm very grateful for those shows coming in. And uh, so it was time for me to, to do a new record. So I've worked on that all fall. And uh, I want to do something a little different. Over the last couple of albums, I went back to my hometown of Taylorsville and hosted a free concert for my entire community. I, I bring, I raise all the money. I bring the stage, the sound the uh, courtyard. I bring everything you can think of. And so this year I'm going to still do the hometown show most likely, but I wanted to do like a pre-listing party where I can give fans the opportunity to come in, buy tickets and hear my album um, with the band before the fans get to. And so uh, we sold that show out back in uh, December. So it's going to be coming up on February the 25th. So I've got a sold out pre-listing party next month and uh, we start rehearsals actually next week. So I'm really, really pumped for new songs. Uh, the, the the fans are amped up. I got Texas Roadhouse sponsoring us. They're going to provide meals for the all the fans, and they've just been wonderful. I don't know if you're familiar with Roadhouse, but man, they're oh, so yeah. good on the road, and uh, they have had, they're all in and promoted this this uh, event for us. 
Well, you definitely are a hardworking and very motivated man. And we, we wish you all the best with that. Uh, before we, we go, I mean, what is it like to balance all of that with your family life? Because I know that you've said family is where it's at. So uh, how, how do you balance that with your wife and your son, Jax? You know, um, my wife and I, we met at a gig um, in 2010. Uh, and we dated. She lived in Columbus, Ohio. I, I lived in Nashville. We dated long term for a little while. Uh, we didn't get married till seventeen. We uh, she lived with her. She worked with her job in Columbus. I was doing my thing in Nashville. But we've had, we just had that connection that I had never had with anybody else. And so um, uh, over the next couple of years, she moved to Nashville, and we became a team. Um, and so for the next few years of of meeting her, her moving in my apartment at the time, and then. Um, I proposed to her at the Kentucky Derby on the red carpet on live TV in 2016. Hey, baby. It's been six years. We've dated. This is our fourth Kentucky Derby, which makes a perfect 10. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? We formed this bond of like, she sold my merch. Um, you know, she did a lot of the dirty work. She fired people for me. She, uh, collected checks for me when people wouldn't pay us. I mean, she, uh, <laughs> you know, fans really grew to love her as much as they love us and uh, wow. uh, uh, me as an artist. And so it was like, we were a package deal. And then, and then, uh, we got married in 17 and Jax was born in 2020. So it's like, we already had this pegged out. We already had this ready to go. She knows what I do when I go on the road. I try to come home when I can't, you know, as much as possible, and uh, to always uh, tuck my son in bed when I can. So uh, she's been a great mom, and I feel like you have to have a super great partner to make this work. And so, um, you know, I've kind of had her molded, ready to go before Jax was even thought of. So uh, <laughs> she she knew what to expect. She knows how hard I work. She knows when it, when it's time to get on the road, it's time to get on the road and and play some music and and uh, bring home some money. So um, I'm really grateful for a great partner uh, that's made it really easy to, to juggle all. So she's probably the prettiest henchman that I've ever seen. <laughs> she gets the money for you. <laughs> You're right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. We've, I've got some stories. We didn't, to be honest with you, out of almost 3000 shows I've played in my career, I've only not gotten paid about five times and three of those checks never came in and two of them finally did. And, and one we're still collecting. I tell you, my wife collected one. And let me tell you when she's after it, you better pay up. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Well, cl clearly you guys make a great team. And JD, I'll say one last thing before we wrap up. And that is, uh, folks, you got to check out JD's Facebook page if you haven't already. It's one of the coolest pictures I've seen in a long, long time is who I believe should be the future drummer in your band. Your son, Jack's <laughs> on that drum kit. That is an awesome picture on your Facebook page. And I'm sure he's going to be, uh, uh, you know, taking the stage with you at some point, uh, you know, based on how that looks. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Play the song. We really appreciate you coming on, JD. It's It's been something we've been looking forward to for quite some time. We're looking forward to the new album coming out. We know that 2023 is going to be a breakout year for you and a year after year of breakout years for you. So all the best. Thank you so much again for joining us. 
And folks, we thank you for watching. We're gonna close out the show with a little something for J.D. Shelburne. Make up your face and change your mind But that's fine by me From a low-cut dress and high heel shoes To a white t-shirt, jeans and boots It's all good, you look fine by me